Welcome to episode 9 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I am Narayan. And I am Anisha Motwani. Anisha, this is going to sound very deep and reflective mm-hmm. and, and, and that's not how I usually am as you know by now. <laughs> but everywhere around us, the world is in turmoil. And perhaps the answer to still this turmoil is not at a global or even at a collective level, but at an individual level. That sounds like a very existential contemplation, Narayan. What's happened to you on a Saturday morning? (laughs) (laughs) What's in your head? And where's the norm we are going to storm this week? I'm coming to it. But I'm also tying it to our overall theme of what it takes to succeed in a disruptive world. Only this time, I'm thinking we will explore it at an individual level and not just at a business level. Mm -hmm. The norm, and it seems so true intuitively as well as in lived experience, is this. Success is the result of constant activity, not quiet meditation. Oh, I can so empathize with that. I've just been part of the that race for 30 years. And to add to that, we are in the studio on a Saturday recording our podcast. I'm not saying anything. (laughs) I don't know if that counts as constant activity or a quiet meditation, Narayan. But I know what you mean. Let me see how we can challenge it with a bit of context first. Okay. Here's the thing. There's a very big difference between high performance and pushing yourself into burnout. Got it. Many people want to achieve great things with the resources they have, such as time or even talent. You Mm. can't hold that against them. We all do the same thing. Yeah. But often these same people find themselves stuck in an endless loop of checking their phone while driving, playing audiobooks on double speed, skipping newspaper articles by just reading the headline, thinking about the never-ending pileup of work while at important things. You're never at the same place. And not being able to shut it off when they get home at night and want to listen to their kids or spouse at dinner. So I guess there's a limit to being the energizer bunny. Yeah, and I'm sure there are better ways to achieve our goals and it doesn't come with constant activity. And that's something I have realized in the last 7-8 years of my life. It's not that I don't have, I'm not busy or I'm not working. But there's something that I'm doing differently which makes me feel not stressed out. Okay, so you've got my attention now and I'm itching even more to listen to our guest expert on this to see what that alternative to constant activity is and how we can harness it. And yes, this is a good time to introduce our special guest. Please welcome Anil Chandmani, a global renowned meditation mentor, clinical hypnotherapist and a serial entrepreneur. Based in Los Angeles, Anil has been facilitating transformation and self-management for CEOs and business leaders across 25 plus countries including China, Russia, Turkey, Vietnam, France and the US and several nations across Europe. So thank you so much Anil for joining us and the topic we want to talk to you about is that success especially in business is a result of constant activity mm-hmm. not quiet meditation. So first <laughs> of all welcome right and thank you so much for making the time. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me to this wonderful platform. I have followed this from the inception um, and uh, read the book uh, as well. So it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So once again, right, success is the result of constant activity, not quiet meditation. Well, um, success and meditation are, by definition, two different things. They are 
interwoven into each other can be, should be very, very important. So as I was sharing with you, I was a part of a very uh, beautiful documentary project uh, with uh, Jack Canfield and Joe Vitale, Bob Doyle, The Evolution of Success, where they actually interestingly started the, the documentary with uh, uh, something I had shared with them, that uh, success has to be defined. Mm -hmm. And uh, success has many definitions. So once success is defined, it may take a different dimension. And similarly, meditation has to be defined because meditation, like success, is ancient concept, you know, thousands of years old. And there are different definitions, different structures for it. So perhaps it's good to start with that, you know. <laughs> you know, my, my patented answer to any complex question is it depends. I don't think you're quite saying that when you say the definition of success and meditation matter. Uh, but I'd love to hear what specific interpretation you have of both of them. Um, like I shared in this uh, documentary, I said success has to be defined. Success for me has always been being able to live my life at my own terms. Uh, that's simply all meant, you know, most of the people define success with monetary. It is a financial term for most people. For me, it's never been a success for me always was being able to live my life the way I want to live it at my terms in the most authentic, most connected way. And similarly, meditation for me is not what you're doing, how you're doing things. Meditation for me boils down to one simple thing, you know, it's the quality uh, of presence you have in any act. Of course, meditation, when it started in Buddha's time, the term meditation came in practice 2,500 years ago. Meditation definitely had a different uh, definition then, you know. I mean, imagine a world with... 60 million people, you know, which is half the population of um, many, many cities now. You know, if you go to some of these big cities, they have 30 million people living there. The entire world had 60 million people. So meditation then had a different base understanding. I actually want to pull apart both how you are looking at success as well as how you're looking at meditation. But let me start with meditation, right? It's actually what you, the, the two words that you used that uh, really struck a chord with me were mindfulness and presence, I think you said, right? Yes. So in a sense, maybe it's not so different from the original definition of meditation in the sense of being present in that moment, completely immersed in just that context versus being scattered everywhere else. Would you say that's kind of what you well, so now meditation in the marketplace, and this will really, really connect with our subject today well, because the standard belief is that for meditation you must sit quietly, mm. you must have a sacred place, you must mm. sit quietly, you must in a certain posture, in a certain way, and then breathe or quiet your mind. What I'm saying and what my understanding is how you bring meditation in the marketplace. It's a quality of living. So any act can be meditation if you bring that quality, if you are able to bring this quality of totality, if you are able to bring this quality of playfulness into any act being fully present, any act can become meditation. With that quality in meditation, can it contribute to success? Can it contribute to any act of your life, you know, from in your relationship with your children, your love life, um, your success? Uh, Absolutely, it can, you know. This might seem too simplistic, 
But what we're saying is activity, and especially constant activity, can have an element of mindlessness to it. And when I say that, I don't mean stupidity or idiocy, but a lack of presence, a lack of active involvement. But even more interestingly, that the one word that you use just now, playfulness, mm-hmm. means that perhaps you're less obsessed with the outcome than the act itself. Than the act itself, right. For sure, success is a discipline. There is no shortcut to that, like learning any instrument or learning any sport. There is no shortcut to that. You have to have a discipline for success, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't have to translate to constant busyness and activity. That is craziness. I think that people do that. If you do not have a game plan for yourself, somebody will have a game plan for you and use you. So the biggest problem in success in the entrepreneurial world is now that everyone is telling you how to do things. Everyone wants you to you know, perfect yourself in a different way. So if you do not have an understanding or a game plan of your own, for sure somebody else is using you, somebody else is mm-hmm. making one for you mm-hmm. that you'll be paying heavily mm-hmm. for. You know? mm-hmm. We all have 24 hours in our day. President Obama used his 24 hours in a different way than how Trump is using it. They have different style of functioning. And in business world, we have to define our style, individual style, our company's targets and goals, and then we move into that direction. And this is where I think meditation can help tremendously. I love them. I'm paraphrasing and putting together a few words that you said, but you know, the, the essence that busyness is not necessary for the success of business. I love that principle. Can you talk a little bit more about meditation in the marketplace? What I'm noticing, more and more people who have a lot of money, more and more people who are successful are more dissatisfied and then they, at that peak of success, start looking for something more. There is a vacuum in them that forces them to look for something beyond money and power and fame. To me, that is reaching a destination that was designed and devised by somebody else. Perhaps your parents, perhaps somebody else. So it's like boarding a flight that landed somewhere. And then taking credit for going there. And and then you go, but this is not where I needed to be or I need to be. But we are so blinded by the programming of right from schooling days, right from the you know the business community days, that we board this flight, we keep doing things to reach there. But like Buddha, Buddha was protected from the concept of death all his life. And one fine day he faces uh, someone dying and then his whole life changes. I think if this is, whole thing is turned around, if right at the inception we are taught to be ourselves, our authentic selves, then from that, if business evolves or success evolves, there is no possibility of ever anyone reaching and saying, my flight was supposed to go somewhere else, you know. (laughs) So would you include, I mean, authenticity obviously is core to success and the definition and quality of success, but would you include integrity as as a key factor in there, personal integrity? You know, that again is a very vast word. When you talk about integrity or when we talk about integrity, moralities and 
they are so burdened. Half of what we are mm. is given to us before birth. Now the other half is given to us very easily by the time we are 11, we reach our you know, puberty days. Now when it is defined by others, I call them the classic four Ps, the parents, the politicians, the priests, and people, the society. When my individual integrity and intelligence has so much burden of these four Ps in them, it becomes very difficult to see what is mine individually here and what is not. And hence, you know, we please, we continue to do many things that at the end of the day, very difficult for us to define as my own. So the first thing when we start the work of authenticity, which should be done at a very young age, one must define what is mine in this whole process. Just because I am in this environment here, is it really mine? You know, how much of this surrounds, vibrates with me? So it's a vast exercise that I hope someday will happen. But I would bring it back to a fairly practical question sure. to kind of round it off, if you will. Uh, success in the marketplace, currently at least, is a blur of activity on different time scales, right? So I have to-do lists for today. I have weekly job status meetings. I have monthly KPIs to meet. I have quarterly reviews and uh, numbers to deliver. And I have annual plans and on and on and on and on. Where's the time for meditation? Well, you know, this activity has become a disaster. If you look at, because on a daily basis, this is neuroscience because thought is an electromagnetic energy, so it can be measured, all thought pulses can be measured. So on a daily basis, we are thinking 60 to 80,000 thoughts. And on a good day, we breathe about 22,000 times wow. when the air is clean. So when we are processing so many thoughts per day, you add the activity because it's not just I mean, one could be sitting alone in a park, but not necessarily alone, you know, you could have a crowd of thoughts inside. So activity is not just physical activity, most is mental. Mental activity, I think, is fueled by one column. So if, when I was working, I would always divide my to-do list in four columns, perhaps you do as well. We all have responsibility towards our work. We all have responsibility towards our families. We all have responsibility towards our social, and that includes our cricket team or our soccer team and friends and anniversaries. Then what suffers is the last column, is what I do for myself. This is the column that causes, when analysis of stress are done, when I work with very, very successful people around the world, the root of what topples, what really overflows the cup, comes from this one column, that column that I don't have any time for myself. So I live my life for my work, for my family, for my social responsibilities and pressures, and in the process, the one that suffers is me. I don't get time for myself. Now, I mean, unless you create the 25th hour, the majority of the time that is wasted is in this activity column, the constant busyness, which is the social column. What we do for our cricket teams, what we do for our friends and social media and formalities that we believe we must do because the other two cannot be compromised. The, what we have to do for our work, what we have to do for our family and kids, that cannot be compromised, it should not be. 
So the time imbalance usually comes from these two columns. If we learn to bring me into, because I'm the one who's at showing up at work, I'm the one who's showing up at home with my life. So if I learn this art of meditation, of showing up, when I show up at work, which means I'm at work when I'm supposed to be at work, 50% of the time we are not present where we are. 50%, and this is a proven data, they were, people were tested with that. Actually, it's 47% of the time we are not present where we are, where the body is, where the life is happening. So if I learn to show up where life is happening at work, for sure I'll be a lot more productive. If I learn to show up at home, it's the quality of time with children and beloveds that'll matter. So if I bring again the same quality of showing up where life is happening at home, now a lot of me will get fulfilled. A lot of my nurturing will begin to happen. Now with this quality, I think it's only a matter of time the individual intelligence can kick in and a lot of what is unnecessary can drop. Only <clears throat> when we come in contact with our inner truth and nature. See, I don't think you can clean the list and kick things out of your life unless it comes from your inner understanding. From your inner understanding, I personally experience this, what is not necessarily drops. And when it happens with that quality, the joy, the happiness is amazing. Brilliant. That's a lot of insights. I'm going to try and bring this home and connect a few dots. Please. Uh, please tell me <laughs> if this makes sense. Give yourself more opportunities to recognize me. Use those then to build the shape of the authentic me. Yes. Use the recognition of the authentic me then to define what success will be. Right. And then you're freeing yourself from the shackles of constant activity. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. This Thank is, you, uh, en enlightening is not a word we usually use on, <laughs> on this podcast, but this one was. So Thank you so much. So much. Anisha, I'm not going to introduce any new thoughts here because I think Anil has introduced us to enough insights to unpack. But I do have one question for you. And I have a feeling you have more than one way to answer it. My question is this. Can you actually meditate your way to success? Before I get to it, I think this is a good time to reiterate what you started with, that the world is in turmoil and the world of business is no exception. Mm. We just heard what happened to Yes Bank last night. Employees and corporates today need a novel approach to managing social and personal needs and to run an ethical business. That's so critical these days. And all that Anil said just falls in context. Okay. So how do we go about it? I'm going to connect the dimensions of success to how meditation works. When you hear it like this, it does seem a bit of a cliche. But for people who've experienced it, mm. the connection between meditation and success is very explicit. Okay. Having said that, meditation is not something which is a constant, which is something which can be firmed up. It's very different from religion and faith and belief that we talk about. Meditation is simply a way of life. And I think Anil spoke a lot about how to make it a way of life. I want to summarize by saying that how do we make meditation the driving force of your success? And if we look at the dimensions of success, what do we define in the corporate world or in the professional world 
what are the dimensions of success the first one i don't think you can deny it is sharper decision making with clarity what does meditation help you do it helps you increase your concentration and attention mm. when you are relaxed you can tap into your creative side you can think laterally i can see why you said it's going to be obvious once stated but so important all the same please keep going i'm riveted leaders who are successful also maintain their calm they don't get unnerved in difficult and crisis situations how does meditation help you it counters the negativity gives you the balance and the perseverance because your brain is constantly messing around with you especially when you are in a crisis situation the brain starts working overtime and all kinds of emotions are running haywire it helps you tame those emotions it helps you bring in balance and clarity okay so i hear two one on achieving clarity and the second on diffusing crisis situations people who have achieved success if you notice they are very secure and comfortable in their skin they are non threatening they are quite confident of who they are what they are and that i think is also something where meditation can truly help because it helps you enhance your self awareness what your strengths are you are not blinded by your own ego and insecurities and which is the biggest pain of authority figures today meditation helps you play to your strengths and when you play to your strengths you become lot more calm and secure success is also about connecting the dots and seeing the big picture and spotting the mistakes and fixing them fast meditation helps you see the world from the perspective of connectedness i know meditation is beyond workplace success but restricting it at this point in time to professional success because this is a business podcast but the benefits of meditation go beyond professional success it's all pervasive in life when you see the world with the lens of connectedness and gratitude your whole living experience changes but apply it in context to business and professional life you are able to see the big picture you know what's right for business you know which path you should take and which path you should not take i couldn't help notice and this is just for my memory and trying to find a mnemonic to connect the four uh, points that you made right i mean there are these four c's that actually coincidentally you spoke about you know the first is meditation can help you achieve clarity and creativity the second is it helps diffuse crises the third is that it inspires confidence and the fourth is that it helps connect the dots that's brilliant <laughs> the four c's no, i didn't do that you did that i'm just summarizing <laughs> no but you absolutely captured it so well and today if you were to give a formula it's the four c's that meditation helps you with to become successful so anisha are you saying that all successful leaders practice meditation that sounds too good to be true i don't think so i think in today's day and age with life becoming so fast paced a ritual or a practice or a discipline is going to help fast track this process of conscious living but otherwise i mean it's just being mindful and aware of everything that you do all your acts and deeds and thoughts if they are mindful that itself is meditation okay 
All right, I think that's a good place for us to conclude this episode. Again, as usual, if I had to pick one thing to take out from this entire episode from among the many insights that we've unlocked here, it would be to say that um, it's a watch out, actually, that meditation, like success, is not unidimensional. It's got many layers to it. Unfortunately, today, it's getting glibly packaged and commodified versus truly being harnessed for what it can enable. And perhaps the insights we've uh, uncovered today can help us to harness it in truly the way that it can be. That brings us to the end of episode 9 of Storm the Norm. This is Narayan. And Anisha. Signing off for now. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud by just searching for Storm the Norm. We'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. Oh, and if you have a comment or question on what you hear, we're easy to find on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn. Just search for the Storm the Norm handle. Thank you and talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.